Welcome to the Draft Deeper Podcast. This is your host, Nathan Grubel. Joining me as always is my producer, Kevin Black. I am without two guests tonight, but that's quite all right. Scheduling conflicts happen, life happens. Going to be a pretty quick podcast on this one. I really just wanted to go through. I know I did some NBA preview podcasts. I went through, gave some of my awards predictions, talked about what I think is going to happen this NBA season with Chuck over on his podcast, Chuck and Darts. I wanted to give my all-rookie first and second teams and then talk about a few honorable mentions. I know that, to me, I, I would just feel like I was committing a crime if I didn't give my audience some of what I think is going to happen as far as those awards teams. So we'll go through starting with the all-rookie first team. I did mention this on Chuck's podcast that I was going to make this prediction. This is what I honestly think will happen. It's a very rare thing to happen. But I really do feel strongly that the top five draft picks are going to be who encompasses the all-rookie first team. Now, again, that is very rare. Usually you have maybe a guy drafted later in the lottery, somebody drafted like mid to late first round who generally sneaks onto that all-rookie first team, or, or maybe a few of those guys sneak onto that team. But I just really feel strongly about how these guys are going to perform not only just off of my scouting evaluations of them dating back to college, but also some of what I've seen in the preseason. So that would mean the team would encompass Cade Cunningham, Jalen Green, Evan Mobley, Scotty Barnes, and Jalen Suggs. So let's start with Mr. Cunningham. Obviously, one thing that I'll be watching closely this entire year is how he meshes in particular with Killian Hayes in the backcourt. Do they try to stagger them? Do they end up playing the major minutes together? How exactly does that backcourt look like? How does it function throughout the course of the full season? But what I am confident in is that Cade Cunningham is going to have every single opportunity with the ball in his hands, or they will feature him in different ways when he doesn't have the ball in his hands to get him open and make sure that he gets plenty of shot attempts up because he is such a great shooter. That was something that we had questions about when he was coming out of coming out of high school, getting into college. He was a 40% three-point shooter in college. Now, even in the preseason, uh, we, 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 we were looking for him to maybe translate that jump shot over a little bit. They ended up playing in the preseason, but I think that he is going to be a 38 to 40% three-point shooter in the NBA. I can only see that being a strength of his and a major reason why they're going to want to put the ball in his hands. They need more shooting on that team. Sadiq Bey will provide some of it. Jeremy Grant can shoot the three ball. He's not the most consistent three-point shooter. They need to be able to properly space the floor, especially when you do have the ball in Killian Hayes' hands. He's a guy who plays out of pick and roll. He loves to drive, kick, find ways to get Kate Cunningham the ball. I think we'll get plenty of opportunities, and he will put up the numbers. Again, these all-rookie first and second teams, the – absolute best rookies in terms of the awards voting they put up big numbers it's a numbers award right so that's why i think Cade's definitely going to be on the team and really a lot of the same reasons why i would project jalen green to also be on this all rookie first team he will have plenty among plenty of opportunities within that offense i think him and kevin porter jr are going to at least lead the team in shot attempts on different nights. Maybe the both of them won't lead the team in shot attempts over the course of the season. Obviously, Christian Wood's going to have himself firmly in the mix, whether he's with the team up to the trade deadline, whether they keep him in tow for the, the course of the full season. Either way, Jalen Green will be up there in terms of most shot attempts on the team, top three shot attempts on the team for sure. I think he could be one of those rare rookies who averages 20-plus points per game. And again, just like 
how I'm making the proclamation that the top five draft picks will be on the all-rookie first team. Any rookie averaging 20-plus points per game is also a pretty rare feat. So Jalen Green being able to crack that and and have that in his list of accomplishments during over the course of his rookie year, I think would be very beneficial to getting him on that first team. And again, Jalen Green is my pick to win rookie of the year, despite how bad that Houston Rockets team may be at different points throughout the course of the regular season. I do expect Jalen Green to still have a pretty strong rookie campaign himself and to win that award, which obviously if he's winning that award, he will be on the first team. Evan Mobley for the Cleveland Cavaliers. I've said at different points, I don't expect him to have a standout rookie campaign in terms of like him being the best rookie amongst all the others in the entire NBA. I don't expect that type of season out of him, but I do think that he's going to put up enough numbers to definitely be on this all-rookie first team. When you look at what he did in the preseason, his rebounding numbers were terrific. He proved himself to be a versatile shot blocker and bring some of the things we expect him to bring on the defensive side of the ball. And then just him handling the ball in transition, him being that type of playmaker or transition scorer for the Cleveland Cavaliers, that will translate over and over the course of the regular season. I expect him with given all of those things to definitely put up enough numbers to be in the conversation. Maybe he's not the most efficient player for the Cleveland team, but they seem very gung-ho on eventually going to the starting lineup where it's marketing at the three and then you have Mobley and then Jared Allen. That's kind of what they want this front court to be. So if Mobley's getting a lot of minutes, getting a lot of opportunities, I expect him, even though they might not be the most efficient numbers, to still put up numbers regardless. And really the same thing for Scotty Barnes. I don't know how efficient Scotty Barnes is going to be shooting from the field. I question how efficient he'll be shooting from three-point range. But you know that even though he might not average like 15 to 16 points per game, even if he only averages like nine to 10 points per game, he will average six rebounds and six assists, or or maybe even more in either category or both categories to go along with any scoring he's going to provide. He's that versatile of an offensive player. We saw Toronto in the preseason. They wanted to put the ball in his hands early and often. Again, opportunity is the key word that I'm going to say throughout this entire podcast. The guys who are in line to get opportunities are going to be the ones who will eventually put up enough numbers to land themselves on these all-rookie first and second teams. I didn't know how much opportunity Toronto would give Scotty Barnes right off the bat, but I guess they took him fourth overall for a reason, right? They definitely want him to succeed. So they will put him in in position to do so, and I would expect Scotty Barnes to land on this all-rookie first team. And then the last guy... I love Jalen Suggs as a player. I think that Jalen Suggs is going to be a bona fide pro in the NBA. I just don't know how good he's going to be in his rookie season simply because of the log jam in the Orlando Magic backcourt. I know I've talked about this multiple times, but there's just so much competition for him in that backcourt. Now, that being said, I do expect him to start. For the Orlando Magic, I expect him to hold on to a starting position throughout the course of the regular season, whether he's paired up with Cole Anthony, whether RJ Hampton joins him in the backcourt, and when Markel Fultz is definitely 150% ready to go, maybe that's his long-term backcourt mate. I think either way, regardless of what quote-unquote position do you want to pencil subs in at, he's going to hold on to and maintain that position over the course of the year. So again, opportunity regardless of how efficient he is i know during the preseason he he struggled a little bit with shooting efficiency both from the field as well as from three-point range 
I would expect some of those struggles to carry over just because he has to figure a lot out as a guard. I know that he was a point guard at Gonzaga, but he had a lot of talent around him, a lot of veteran talent around him. He had excellent coaching in place. He was put in a position to succeed a lot easier with the ball in his hands in an environment like Gonzaga, as opposed to going to an environment like the Orlando Magic, where he's playing with pros, but he's going up against better competition in terms of teams overall each and every night. And he also has to build chemistry with these other teammates that he's coming and playing with for the first time. So he's going to have his fair share of struggles navigating how to be a lead guard in the league. But either way, again, opportunity, he will produce, he will put up points, assists, rebounds. He's one of the better rebounding guards, I think, in this draft class who's coming into the league. I think that will carry over as well. And, you know, on the defensive end of the ball, he is going to be a tenacious one-on-one guard defender. A lot of those comparisons to Drew Holiday are warranted and absolutely valid. I would expect him to continue to do the same thing in the NBA. So that would be my all-rookie first team. It gets really fun when you get to the all-rookie second team. How many lottery picks do I have in the all-rookie second team? Do I have any surprises for later in the first round? Do I have any surprises from the second round on my all-rookie second team? Well, (laughs) I, I have all of those things. So I'll start with one of the more obvious predictions for this all-rookie second team in terms of if you were paying attention to what these guys were doing in the preseason, that would be Josh Giddy, the Oklahoma City Thunder guard slash wing, whatever you want to categorize him as. I think he'll probably start alongside Shea Gilgis-Alexander, and for good reason. In the preseason, he's already had some standout moments. He's proven that he's comfortable operating with the ball in his hand, stepping foot in the league, even from day one. He's proven he can knock down shots from all over over the floor. We already knew about his passing vision and his willingness to get others involved within the offense. Oklahoma City is clearly dedicated to putting as many ball handlers in their lineup who can get others involved and keep the ball moving around the court as much as possible. Josh Giddey's one of those guys because he can do that at a high level. That is a big reason why I would expect him to be on this all-rookie second team. Now, why not the all-rookie first team? I don't know how much opportunity he will get to score the basketball and put up points as much as this team will lean on him to create for others and be a more selfless player than a selfish player. I think that he'll have opportunities to shoot the basketball when he's open. I think that those opportunities will only grow in years two and three in the NBA and his scoring averages will obviously tick right up. I don't know how much I'm expecting him to do from a scoring standpoint in his rookie season. That's why I'll have him on the second team. But he, he's he's really impressed me in the preseason. I went back and watched some of the film. He's a guy who I didn't quite know where to project him coming into the NBA, at least in his rookie year. That's why I was a little hesitant to give the Thunder a standout grade on draft night. But he, he he's really impressed me, at least on the offensive side of the ball. We'll see what he does on the defensive end. Chris Duarte, lottery pick for the Indiana Pacers. He'll be coming off the bench for this Indiana team, but I fully expect him to have opportunities to not only shoot when he's open because we know how good of a three-point shooter he is. We know that he can make a variety of shots on the move in catch-and-shoot situations. He'll have the opportunity to handle the ball and create for others as well. And that, to me, was one of the biggest things I noticed when he was out in Summer League in Vegas Indiana wanted him to do as much with the ball as possible, I think, because they wanted to figure out exactly what he would be capable of in those different situations. When he's with this second unit and when they mix him in with some of the starters, he will have so many opportunities, in my opinion, over the course of a full year 
to show what he's capable of, not only just from a shooting and a scoring standpoint, but from a playmaking standpoint. He's one of the better rebounding position players at his size. He will have his fair share of lumps on the defensive end, but I think he'll figure a lot of that out with a veteran coach like Rick Carlisle. He'll only be helped along on that front. So I would expect him to ultimately figure it out on the defensive end and be one of the better two-way type wing players that comes out of this draft class. Maybe not a star, a bona fide star, maybe not putting up ridiculous numbers scoring, but I would expect him to have an efficient rookie campaign and to immediately stand out as one of the more ready rookies that come into the NBA, which is what a lot of people projected. And speaking of NBA ready rookies, again, another guy who I don't see starting quite yet, but I think at some point we've already heard some rumors um, that Sacramento wants to go to this three guard style starting lineup and they want to get different guys in the mix. They want to play with tempo. They want to play with speed. And then they're going to want to come at you defensively at the point of attack. And yes, a lot of that comes with De'Aaron Fox improving, but it also comes with possibly inserting Davion Mitchell into the starting lineup along with De'Aaron Fox, along with Tyrese Halliburton, maybe mixing two of those guys along with a Buddy Heald. But either way, I think Davion Mitchell's going to have opportunities to prove himself. We'll see how the shooting translates throughout the course of the regular season. We'll see if any of the free throw shooting can be fixed a little bit. If not, we'll see how the shooting numbers ultimately translate. He has seemed like one of those rare prospects that's just going to buck the trend of if you shoot it well from the line, you're going to shoot well from three-point range, at least at some point in your career. But if you don't shoot it well from the line, that's an indicator that you're not going to be as strong of an outside shooter in the NBA. It seems like he's going to buck that trend. He certainly already has in college. And then in summer league, his free throw numbers were not good at all, but he was efficient enough from outside, hitting close to 40% of his three-point shots. So again, opportunities, but also what he's going to do on the defensive side of the ball. He's going to have highlight plays. He's going to get people talking. If you can make highlights and just get enough buzz about your game in the NBA in your rookie season, you stand a great chance at making one of these teams. If he gets enough starts, I will not eliminate him in terms of being a dark horse for making it onto that all-rookie first team and knocking one of those top five guys off. I, I, it would not surprise me if he gets enough starting opportunities in the slightest. My guy, Jared Butler. Jared Butler is going to make this list. He's going to make the all-rookie second team. He's already proven in the preseason that he's more than ready to come in and help that Utah Jazz team, even as a rookie, going to be one of the best backup point guards they've had in years. He's steady. He can handle the ball. He can navigate, get himself all over the floor. He can set up for others. He can shoot. If he's more efficient shooting the basketball from outside than he was in preseason, that's only going to help extend the reach of his offensive game and really how much he can help everyone else around him and make their lives a lot easier. I think he will make Jordan Clarkson's life a lot easier, taking playmaking pressure off of Jordan Clarkson when you have Butler in the lineup. He's just such a steady presence. And then anything he gives you defensively, Whereas I do have some concerns, at least initially in his rookie year defensively, because of his size, his, his stature more so right now. He's not the biggest and strongest of guards at his position, at least for the time being. I think he can get pushed around a little bit, but when he's at the point of attack, when he's mainly guarding other primary ball handlers who are of a similar size to him, which he should run into a lot more of if he's captaining second units versus being in the starting lineup. 
I think he's really going to excel and, and have opportunities to do so on the defensive end as well. He's he's in a really good position to be Mike Conley's understudy, and I would expect him to take full advantage of those opportunities this year. And then last on my all-rookie second team would be Trey Murphy the third with the New Orleans Pelicans, another guy just like Davion who I would say has a real dark horse shot at being on that all-rookie first team. I think he's going to start sooner rather than later. I'm recording this podcast Wednesday before a lot of the games kick off for the NBA season. I don't know what a lot of these starting lines are going to look like. I haven't had the opportunity to go and look at some of them, but we know that Zion's going to be out for a major part to start this year. If they insert Trey Murphy the third end of that lineup, like Chuck and I were kind of talking about a little bit on his podcast, that wouldn't surprise me in the slightest. I expect Trey Murphy to get plenty of offensive opportunities. He's one of the best shooters on that team. And while he might not be the most technically sound and impressive defender coming out of the gate, in his rookie year, he's at least 6'9 with size and length, enough to bother other matchups on the perimeter and sort of add to what they are building from a length standpoint playing alongside some of those guys like Brandon Ingram, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, just any intensity with length that he can offer and bring to the table, I think will be a welcome addition for this New Orleans Pelicans team who just needs to beef up some kind of perimeter defense, period. I do not see their backcourt being strongest in the slightest defensively. I've talked about that at length on this podcast. I think Trey Murphy III can really bring some much-needed things to the table for this team. And I would expect him to definitely put up enough numbers with the opportunity to make it on the all-rookie second team. So again, I'll just review really quickly my all-rookie first team, Cade Cunningham, Jalen Green, Evan Mobley, Scotty Barnes, Jalen Suggs. And then on my all-rookie second team, Josh Giddy, Chris Duarte, Davion Mitchell, Jared Butler, and Trey Murphy III. So who did I leave off? Who were my honorable mentions that I could see making either one of those top two teams? if things break right and they get enough opportunity within their situation. Again, opportunity. <laughs> Probably said it about 50 million times at this point on this podcast, but it really is the biggest key to, to winning an award and certainly getting on one of these award teams. Alper and Shengun, Houston Rockets center, preseason. They've already wanted to put the ball in his hands on the offensive end. He's already proven that he can take some guy off the dribble, make a quick pass, uh, to the corner or to the open man, get other people involved. He's adept at drawing fouls, get into the free throw line, which is an easy way to boost your scoring numbers, get your scoring averages up. He will rebound the ball on both ends. And I think in the preseason, he's been better defensively than I would have initially expected. And, and I didn't expect him to even be bad on the defensive end like some other people thought he would be. I think he's actually been really good shuffling his feet. He's been aware. He's understood what the opposing offense is doing. He's beat people to spots. He's even blocked some shots and gotten up off the ground a little bit. I think that Shengun is going to have a, a solid rookie year. I just don't know how good the numbers are going to look depending on how many minutes he actually gets per game. If they, for some reason, they would end up trading somebody like a Christian Wood or a Daniel Tice and Shengu gets thrown into the starting lineup at some point this year, maybe after the trade deadline, that would only help his campaign at that point, getting on one of these top two teams. James Booknight, wing for the Charlotte Hornets. I see some of the similar issues with Shengun with Booknight. I just don't think Booknight's going to get enough starts or enough minutes to properly prove himself to get on one of those top two teams. Although we've seen in the preseason, when he does get enough shots, He's going to make them from quite literally all over the floor, has shown a little bit to his game that I didn't fully expect to see when he has more space and he has open driving lanes. He's able to get inside, 
be a little crafty with the ball in his hands and then take advantage of that explosive vertical that he has. And he can finish above people at the basket. That's going to be key. I'm going to want to see how that translates, but also him just being able to get around the rim more in general. How crafty can he be drawing fouls? Do, do free throw attempts come along with a lot of the shooting numbers or does he settle for more inefficient outside shots? I want to see what the balance looks like when we go back to the tape, not necessarily just looking at the raw box score totals. Moses Moody, wing for the Golden State Warriors. He got opportunity in, the, in their first game last night to get some shots up. He's going to be so, so needed for his corner three-point shooting. They will feed him the ball when he's on the court. Guys like Steph Curry and Draymond Green are going to love playing with Moody just based on the fact alone that when they kick it out to the corner, they can trust him to hit that open three-point shot. They, that's something that they really lacked last year. That's a big reason why they wanted to draft him. He's a shooter with size. Opposing defenders aren't necessarily going to bother him when he gets that shot up. I would expect Moses Moody to be efficient from the three-point line overall. He was not the most efficient scorer from inside the arc at Arkansas. I will be curious to see how that translates over in the NBA, at least right away in his rookie season. We'll see what the balance as far as the numbers look like there. But this is another guy similar to Shangun and Booknight. He's not going to be a starter for this Golden State Warriors team. They're going to bring him off the bench, and we'll see how much trust they put in him as a rookie to really crack that rotation for heavy minutes as we get later and later into the season. Nashawn Bones Highland, guard for the Denver Nuggets. He will get opportunities really because Jamal Murray is not going to be in the lineup until at least March or April. I will want to watch his two-man game with Nikola Jokic very heavily. What does that two-man game look like? Is Highland able to come in even as a rookie and replicate some of what Jamal Murray gives them from a shot-making standpoint in the two-man game with Jokic? A lot of people are projecting that he will make the most of those shots and those shot attempts and that he will have a much better than expected rookie season. Some people are putting him and projecting him on an all-rookie second team. I just, I, I don't know. I, I, I want to see it first is, is really what I'm thinking. And then uh, as I've had dark horses for guys who could possibly make the all-rookie first team, I've talked about some of these honorable mentions as dark horses to make the all-rookie second team. My dark horse of dark horses to really get some positive buzz this year in his favor would be BJ Boston, the LA Clippers wing. He's had some moments in the preseason where he looks really, really comfortable out there, at least from an offensive standpoint. The Clippers are a little bit decimated on the wing right now. They're still trying to figure a few things out within their rotation. I want to see how many minutes they might throw B.J. Boston's way if, if he actually is up in the NBA more so than he would be for, for like a G League affiliate. I really want to see if B.J. Boston can take advantage of some of the opportunities that the Clippers might throw his way, how he shoots from the field, how he looks like when he has the ball in his hands, when he doesn't have the ball in his hands. But B.J. Boston has a chance to really surprise some people if the Clippers are in desperate need of a little more wing help and they go his way. I wonder what he could possibly do for that team and maybe help them even win a few regular season games this year. But that's going to do it for this episode of the podcast. Again, short and sweet. Just wanted to get my all-rookie first and second team predictions out there. If you didn't listen to the podcast episode that came out earlier this week, I dropped it with Tyler, a.k.a. Backcourt B. We talked about more of the top freshmen that we're projecting 
to be in the lottery in the 2022 NBA draft. We're going to keep that conversation rolling every single week. Every single Wednesday podcast that we release will be a preview podcast detailing guys at length who we think are going to be impacts as far as first round or lottery type picks in the 2022 NBA draft. We'll keep that rolling next week with some returning prospects, AKA some older guys, not the freshmen. Then the week before the first week of the college season, we'll wrap that preview series up a little bit. We'll talk about some international prospects that are really getting some hype. Hint, hint, spoiler alert, Nikola Jovic is somebody who we'll definitely be talking about at length on that episode of the podcast. And then we'll make sure we have something fresh up Tuesday, November 9th. That's the first night of the college season. That's the Champions Classic night. Tyler and I will make sure we have a preview podcast up for you then. And from there, we are really, really rolling ahead with this 2022 NBA draft cycle. And obviously at different points throughout the year, I want to do a lot more writing and conversation on the rookies and sophomores. I'll make sure to have plenty of those types of podcasts in the mix as well to keep things fresh, mainly draft focused, but not necessarily all draft. I want to do a much better job in mixing it up this year. So that's going to do it. If you haven't subscribed to this podcast already, make sure you are subscribed wherever you get your podcast, Apple podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, definitely follow us on Twitter at draft deeper. Every single night, I'm going to try to live tweet through as many games as possible and interact with as many people as possible. That's very important to me this year. I want to keep that interaction on a high note. It seems that that is one of the compliments I generally get when I'm on other people's shows, when I'm talking to other scouts and evaluators and, and social media guys. They love that I'm in touch with the community as much as I am. And I've said that at multiple different points on this show. I do love talking with all of you. It's one of the most favorite things that I have that comes along with doing something like this. So thank you all so much for listening, staying engaged, keep engaged. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your week.